so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's rebound. M O L M M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto tune that. Put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. Please. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got diggly pain. You done got diggly pain. Nope. No. No. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that definitely has three hosts. We promise. All three. There's three hosts on this show. Uh, I'm one of them, Ben Helms. I'm with me as always, every single time. Jason Helms. It's it's never skipping a show. Oh, sorry. It's my big brother and co-host, the instant camera to my audio recorder in this journal of a podcast as we chronicle the games of history while taking one final bike ride around the valley of life before the dam breaks and everything we know gets buried in a flood of job-stealing, AI-generated, watery games, drowning us in a sea of half-baked sequels and money grabs, Jason Elms! Hey! And I'd like to introduce you to our third host, uh, my brother... Uh, ben Helms, say hi. Hey, it's me. Oh, I'm it's here too, guys. It's all three of us. <laughs> there we go. Should we mention the um, the Vaughn in the room? The Vaughn, what is it? The elephant in the room? The, the, yeah, the, but the Corrigan in the room. Corrigan doesn't rhyme with elephants. That doesn't really work. It's true. It's true. The elephant in the room. Corey took one look at this game and said, no, thank you. Yeah, which you and I were puzzled by, but you know, she no, keeps I'm, us guessing. I'm angered by Oh, okay. Because I like this game, but I want to talk to Corey about it. I want to hear yeah, Corey's thoughts fair. on this game. Yeah, I do too. I know. It would be nice because I know you and me together is a pretty diverse group, yeah. pretty diverse pair <laughs> yes. of ideas and perspectives and, and all that. And Corey would probably just mimic whatever I would say. Well, let's be clear. Corey adds more than just diversity. She's also a brilliant media critic. I just want to hear her thoughts. I want to hear her damn thoughts. But that's, you know, one of the best things that a media critic can do is media ignore some yes, media. Yes. Well, so good for her to know when to quit and not even to when to interact. Ignorance is also a form of criticism. I love it. That's true. That's a good point. We should probably stop talking before we get in trouble. Before. And so Corey will actually come back to her podcast that she co-hosts. We miss you, Corey. All right. Uh, before we get too much further into it, uh, Jay, mic check. We did the mic check. Yep. Uh, gum check. Oh, no gum. I do have a cough drop in. Woke up with a little bit of a sore throat. I'm going to do my best not to rattle it against my uh, my teeth as I go. I'm trepidatious. Yeah. But, uh, and then fan check. I have a brand new fan. Well, I'm, this is our first recording of my brand new little studio office in our backyard that we built. Uh, I say we. I did a couple things on it. But Hannah and I built this with our own money that we paid people to build. And so, yeah, it's this nice little like temperature controlled 16 by 12 foot studio with like acoustic panels and guitars hanging on the wall and Yoda's everywhere you can see. It's very it's quiet. I'm not sharing a wall with a kid trying to go to sleep, which is usually the recording environment we've been in since we moved here. So, yeah, I've got a faint AC in the background. I can see it on there, but I think it can be cut out pretty easily. Mm. It's constant. It can't. It's constant. It can't. You can't. Well, I mean, by the time I'm done taking it out, there's so many plugins. I can't even read them. They're so small and my computer's smoking, but it it can be done. So are you telling me to turn it off? No, it's I mean, yeah, it's it's four o'clock in uh, late June in Texas. Can you just turn your AC off for an hour Um, and a half? Let me let me check the temperature real quick. Uh, Would you text your wife and see if she could do that for you? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, also, my Wi-Fi is crapping out, so I can't actually do it for my phone anymore. Heartbroken. I'd have to walk over there and do it. Yeah, it's only uh, 102. Feels like 106 right now. Holy shnikes. It's a balmy 70 in my studio right now. It's so bad. Uh, okay. So, you're the one that picked this game out. Yes. Season today. We're talking about the game Season. Yep. For those of you who click on podcast titles without reading them. Season colon, a letter to the future. Thank you. It's really hard to look up story, walkthrough, yep. screenshots, answers to this game by just searching season game. Yep. Especially because the last five years, there's so many games that are like, oh, welcome to season two of Rocket League, season yep. 17 of Apex Legends, season 40 of whatever. And it's just like every game has season in it, it seems like. so. And also just being an indie game. It's hard to find info on that no matter what. But yeah, today we're going to talk about season, mainly just our gameplay through that and kind of our, our, our thoughts on it. Uh, we'll do what's the drink, what's the song. We will take a little trip to the recommendation station, recommending family, because we got to hang out last week. That was nice. Uh, and then we'll talk about wh- what's up for the next few months. Corey is actually picking next month's pod, so she better be here for that. And yeah, let's get into it. Jay, why'd you pick season? What, what stood out about season? I think this was your game. Well, I think I first heard about this from Renata Price, uh, formerly of nice. Waypoint before Waypoint yep. fell apart, currently of Remap Radio, which is uh, oh, all yeah. of Waypoint just kind of moved on over to a new spot. Go check them out. Same podcast and everything? Uh, basically, they've kind of expanded. They, they get to do what they want a little bit more. There's a little bit more freedom because it's completely creator-owned. That's cool. And uh, Ren, from what I understand, is off on to experience uh, the world of game development. And is going to uh, oh. probably take a break from the podcast in the next few months. Oh. So, yeah. Good for them. The hunters become the hunted. It's so true. It's good, so true. Good for them, man. So, That's cool. it, this was during a uh, Steam Next Fest, uh, probably a year ago, when they said, I just checked out this game called Season. And you're, like, biking around and checking things out. And it's my new favorite game. Oh, wow. And I don't take that lightly when I hear it from her. Sure. So, I... Uh, went and checked it out once it was finally released and got real excited yep and then waited three months for you and Corey to play it and then finished it that's kind of my story of my experience uh with season when did you finish it right before uh probably the last day of may first day of june something like that so just a month ago oh okay so you didn't play it like a year ago okay no i'm just making sure that when i'm like hey remember when estelle did this you're like i don't remember was there a bike in this game i started it in like january or february whenever it came out Oh, okay. And played for like six of my eight hours. Got it. And I was like, oh, I better wait. Got it, got it. And then when I came back, didn't realize kind of how close I was to the end and accidentally sped to the end. Easy to do. So we'll talk about that too. Easy to do. I didn't 100% this. That would be hard. But I came, I probably like 90, 95%. You know, I did everything that wasn't like, go back two hours and like, make sure you finish this one page. I think I did all the journal pages except for one. Yeah. But I'm sure there's achievements and stuff that I didn't get. But I was very thorough in my playthrough, especially at the end. Well, I think the the emergent playthrough of making the scrapbook actually makes it so you can't 100% it. Yeah. Right? In other words, it's like 100%ing Roblox or Minecraft. It's like, what, what do you mean 100%ing? Yeah. I don't make more stuff. Right. Everyone's is different. That's true. That's true. All right. So Scavenger Studio is the developer and publisher of this game. Uh, Kevin Sullivan's the director. And yeah, it looks like they've done one game before. It's called Darwin Project, which I'd never heard of. Jay, have you? No, but evidently it's a dystopian post-apocalyptic battle royale uh, multiplayer game, which is just not this at all. Like indie Fortnite? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun. So yeah, just a very, very different kind of game. All right, we should, we should mention that before this, well before this game came out, Scavenger Studios 
um, was going going through some hardships. I don't know. Turmoil. Turmoil is better because uh, hardships makes it seem like there was like uncontrollable things that no one could have helped. Uh, the CEO and founder, Simon Darvo, was accused credibly of toxic behavior, like screaming at employees, groping them. Like seems like a real f- asshole. That's, uh, that happens allegedly, a lot. Allegedly like. a complete asshole. Yeah, allegedly. No one liked him or talked to him anymore. Allegedly. So. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick mention of past games that we've done. Uh, this is not inclusive of every game that we've done that had people like this on there. But we've got Gone Home, uh, one of our favorite games, right? Yeah. Uh, including um, that happened after we did the game. T- Tacoma was the sequel as well. I believe or I think that came to light after we did the game, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, much later. Uh, but, we've got yeah. Night in the Woods. A uh, real, yeah. real bad situation yeah, to, to read about. Uh, the good news is the crew of that game is actually creating a new game um, uh, all on their own. All right. Do you want to summarize kind of? A- um, all right. So we typically do a lot more work on development on games. This is a recent game, so we didn't do a whole lot. And as we were kind of digging through it, uh, it seems there's a pretty recent ongoing situation with the lead developer there, Simon Darvo. Co-founder of Scavenger Studios. Yeah. Uh, Simon has left Scavenger Studio uh, since the release of Season, but if anything, he had more of a say on Season than he should have. The reports are real gross. I'll let you read them on your own. They include all the kinds of harassment you can imagine, and it's gross and bad. Also, it's not one of those things where we can say, well, he left before this game. If anything, people were saying that he had too much of a say on this game oh, and yeah. got to completely have his way with this game wherever he wanted. Uh, I'll just close with one uh, former employee saying, quote, uh, this was the worst experience ever in the gaming industry, which I want to underscore the gaming industry is known for toxic w- work environments. Oh God. To describe this as the worst ever is really, really uh, bad. Canadian, um, too. Yeah. For some reason, I think Canadian uh, workplaces are better than the American, but, you know. Actually, here's, here's a, a great way to end it, because this is a game that um, I think really purports to be an inclusive game, mm-hmm. a game interested in progressive politics, yeah. a game interested in talking about um, identities and, and different people's perspectives, not falling into classical uh, categories, yeah. uh, a game that is opposed to colonialism. Yeah. And so I want to end with the, kind of the development part with this quote from a former employee, quote, if half of what I know of season is true then the game is going to be great, and I do not want to remove that from all my friends who are working on it. But I do not feel comfortable with scavengers being praised as a fun, cool, indie, inclusive place. I think that's really key here. In fact, some of the um, reviews of Season talk about the ways that it kind of only superficially engages with uh, indigenous mindsets, different cultural things, in a way that could be seen as appropriation. And so we're going to talk about our experience playing it, we're not necessarily going to be able to do the reflective work that includes all of those things, but we do want to mark real quick up front. It seems like a real messed up development project or development process, some real toxic environment. And maybe those people who had some criticism of the game are not that far off the mark when they say, wow, it's only superficially inclusive. And once you actually get into it, it feels like it's just same old, same old. Yeah. And the CEO stepped down as well. Or at least temporarily, and then um, Simon Darvo was also indefinitely suspended, and then since then has left the company. And th- there was like a third-party audit um, that was like presented internally to the board of directors and everyone in the studio. So 
Uh, I don't know if we know the full result of that audit, but it seems like there's been change, hopefully for the positive since then. But I think the, I don't want to say the most important thing. I think an important thing to do, what we like to do at month, we start with the, the development in the history of games. And I think it sets the stage. It kind of puts the game in context, because if we had talked about our, this game and how much we loved it and these really cool aspects of it for an hour. And then at the end, we're like, oh, by the way, it was developed by this horrible person in this horrible work environment. I feel like that's doing a disservice and that seems dishonest in a way that's just like, here's the actual context that the game was made and it was under horrible circumstances. It's almost like, here's a footnote, even though that footnote led the way was the runway for the entire, you know, was the skeleton that this game was built on. I think that's important to know as we're kind of analyzing the game and even playing. I wish I'd known that going into it in a lot of ways. So not a fun thing to talk about to like for like our fun video game podcast, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. So, uh, yeah. Anything else with that, or should we just get into it? Let's let's jump into gameplay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. And talk about those, some of the things we like. And I think at, after talking about the things we like, and and maybe uh, as we talk about some of those, we talk a little bit about what we mean by that kind of superficial engagement with inclusivity. So the game itself, uh, you uh, you play as a character named Estelle, and she has been tasked with remembering the current season for a future season. So what that means is in this world, there are these kind of epochs that they call seasons. They might last 10 years, they might last 200 years, but there are substantial changes that happen. And it appears that the people from one season don't always remember the season that came before them. Remind me of Disco Elysium in that way, where this like this um, this alternate history or alternate world history that's very similar to our world. Yeah, but has nothing to do in the facts and the numbers and the way they the civilization works. And and definitely lots of commentary on our world. And uh, yes, yeah, yeah. The difference being in Disco Elysium, your main character has amnesia. In season, everyone gets amnesia every season. That was cool. We'll talk about when we get to the end, for sure, because that, that happens very explicitly with right, the character. Right. Uh, maybe, because I want to talk about multiple endings, too. I haven't looked into oh. how they do. And yeah, there are definitely but there some choices I made. There are some choices that do directly affect the, the story, especially towards the end. But we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So um, the main kind of, you know, a video game gives you verbs. And we talk about this with point and click adventures, you know, talk to, pick up, open, close, those kinds of things. Clicking on bricks. Clicking on bricks. Yep. And the main verbs in season uh, would be a movement verb, uh, you know, walk to, but it typically bike to. And there's a real mm-hmm. nice biking mechanic. Feels great on PS5. Yeah. Oh, my god. Where you gosh. get a little feedback on the triggers and use the triggers to just bike to pedal back and forth. RLRL. Did I post the Tony Hawk thing? No, I don't think so. I need to. I'm going to post that today because <laughs> the first like 20 minutes of getting on the bike, I was just like trying to see if I could like do tricks right up these trees or like go off tricks sure. and like if I could do like a tail whip off of these ruins or whatever. And so I did this like really long downhill and then just like slammed into these ruins. But the there's no like wasted or like bailed like. Yeah, there's no like. Yeah, there's no like failed or or whatever falling off your bike mechanic or, or animation in the game at all. So it just like hits the ruin and she just like turns to the left. Yeah. And so I took that a video of that and then I put Goldfinger's Superman, which is the track <laughs> off. of. I think that's like the first track off of the first Tony Hawk that it was stuck in all of our yes. heads in in the late 90s. But to her just like biking furiously down the hill yes 
but it definitely changes the vibes of season from that 15 second clip if you put um, some ska behind it, which is pretty great. But yep. anyway, there was a great Matt Hoffman biking game that came out around Tony Hawk Pro Skater two times. So that, that's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. So it, Estelle has found out that the season is ending. Yeah. And she's being tasked with recording the current season so that people in the future can read it. Maybe in the next season, maybe in the season after that, because we don't know what the next season will bring. Maybe right. it will be war. Maybe it will be apocalypse. Maybe it'll be just chill times. High fives everywhere. Boom. Uh, but it will be a, a substantial change. And so Estelle is sent off by her mother into the great wide world. And you spend the time biking around, taking pictures of things and putting the pictures uh, as well as any souvenirs you get into a scrapbook. And that is kind of the entirety of the game. And we'll talk about some of the experiences you have along the way. But I, I think we could start with uh, one of the first things that happens is your mother says, OK, I'm going to make this special charm for you so that you don't forget things. It's important that you remember. Yeah, this is like the tutorial, basically. Yeah, we're going to protect you. All of us are going to lose our memory when the season lapses over. And they don't say that explicitly. You just kind of learn that along the way. Yeah. Why are we protecting my memory? But yeah, everybody's going to lose their memory except for Estelle. And so they have to take this little pot with a fire in it and they have to burn things. They have to throw things in one for each of the five senses, and they have to be attached to a memory. Yeah. And traditionally, it's the person who wants to have a good memory has to destroy their own memory first, right? So if you take your favorite book from when you were a kid and you throw it in and burn it, you lose that memory of reading the book when you were a kid. But you gain the ability to never lose any of these memories when the season changes over. Right. All right. So that's, that's the kind of foundation of it. What you find out as soon as your mother gives you this task is she's not going to let you lose any memories. Your goal is to remember things for the future. And so instead, she will throw them into the fire. She will lose the memories to protect you. Mm. And it makes it a really interesting opening to the game as you go around your house to choose things to destroy from your mother's memory. And you learn quickly that there's things that she really, really appreciates. And she'll explicitly ask, like, I don't want to lose this memory. Please don't make me do that. And you have the option. There's one specifically, the flower, I think, where the flowers were found near where her partner your dad was lost and where he died it's like some cliff that he died on in the mountains and she's like I, I that's a memory i want to keep you know so you put the flower back and you'd find something else that would evoke uh, an aroma or, or the smell sense or you can push her and be like mom you know the stronger the connection and the stronger the memory the stronger the um the pendant pendant right is that what it's called or amulet what is that yeah We'll go with the amulet. I like that. Whatever, yeah, the stronger that the, the stronger that will protect me. That's the stronger that thing will be to carry me through the season. So I know what you did. You're like, okay, mom, I'm gonna go get my teddy bear or go get something else. Yeah. I of course pushed back and was like, mom, you gotta drop this guy. He's dead. Push through. I need a stronger pendant. So you're like, mom, what do you love more than this? Exactly. I need to dig deeper. Exactly. <laughs> So I pushed on the flowers. I went to my like nihilism gaming thing. I was like, you're just ones and zeros, lady. You're fine. I need a strong amulet. Yep. So, but yeah, that was really interesting how they kind of gave you the, the option to do that. Cause there's like, I don't know, 10 things in yes. there and you get to choose five. So probably there's probably 2%, something like that. Well, and it's one of those nice moments. I, I teach uh, game design um, and you know, these are mainly students who are never going to make a game in their life other than in this class, mm-hmm. right? They're not going on to be game designers and they want to figure out how do I make a change matter right right uh, when a choice when a uh, player makes a choice how to make it matter and there's ways to do that with variables and so that the game remembers and it comes back one thing i like about season is something that i think the best of their games do which is i don't know that it keeps track it kind of doesn't matter if the game actually kept track of yeah. me putting that 
flower in, in that what matters is my experience where I say, yeah, yeah, burn that flower, mom. Right. Right. She may never remember it. I may never remember it. It may never get recalled in the game. She's definitely not going to remember it. But I had, <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> but I had that experience. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, when we talk about variables, when I introduce variables, I say yeah. a variable has to do three things. It has to exist. Right. You have to set it the first time it, it gets called. It has to change mm-hmm. and it has to matter. Right. And the matter students get stuck on because you can use if statements to bring it in. You can adjust it over time and all that stuff. Or you can just tell the player what it is. Yeah. Right. You have clicked this many times and just keep track of how many times they've clicked. Yeah. And if you can make that a meaningful statistic to them, then that can be heartbreaking. It can be hilarious. It can be lots right. of different things. But that making it matter is the most difficult part. It's very rhetorical. It's very thoughtful and reflective. And I think this game is really good at making your choices matter. Especially that first one. Well, and also just from a development standpoint, every time you make a choice matter, you're making two different games, right? It's like a timeline you're splitting off, right? Because you want it to affect, even if it affects one thing way down, that's still a different game that you're making or 20 hours or five minutes later, or 20 hours later, whatever it is. But it's a different branch that you have to create and then account for all along the way, all the consequences of that choice. Unless the game itself doesn't know why it matters, right? If the player knows why it matters and the game doesn't, like in this case of what did you choose for your pendant? Right. If the game doesn't keep track of it, you don't have to create two games. That's what I meant. If, if, if it does, is what I'm saying, then you have to account yeah. for all of those. Cons- I mean, it's just like in writing a, a script or, or a story or whatever. Yeah. And those are really tough things to make. And they're they're not shortcuts. Right. If you can make a game where it matters yeah. to the player what they did and they will remember it, the game doesn't have to remember. Like, who cares if the game keeps track? That's a great point that this is very much a journey is the des- is the destination type game. Yeah. Right, where yeah. there's no part where I'm like, oh no, I didn't choose the stronger sense. I'm not going to be as protected at the end of the game. Or like, that doesn't matter. The point is the interaction you have with your mom and the stories that she's telling and the stories that all the characters you meet tell, right? There's no like, I got to get the key so I can get to the safe and do the thing. Like, there's not much, if any of that. Yep. I think the fetch quests are more like, hey, how can I help this character tell a better story? How can I or how can I tell this person's story to future generations? Right. A letter to the future. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you are occasionally intercut with um, someone in the future reading your scrapbook. Yeah. In In a library, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's unclear because you are going also to put your scrapbook into a museum. Mm hmm. And it's unclear if the library that they're in is the museum. Um, you know, are these two names for the same thing? Yeah. Or is it like six seasons past this and the museum got turned into a library or everything that was in the museum is now in a library? Yeah. Or did you never make it to the museum? Who knows? It does give you some heads up at the answer to that. I think the last shot of the yes. game. But yeah. yeah. Yes. That is how the game starts. Someone sitting down at a table to read your your journal that you're putting together. So and we should get more. Let's talk about the journal more. Yeah. I think or maybe we should outline the gameplay. Right. So you make the the pendant from your mom and you go out into the world and through the tutorial you can realize that you have kind of three ways to document things right you can draw something in your journal you can take a picture you have a little instant camera uh, or you can do take an audio recording and then like basically put a tape in your journal right so you can always play that noise back and every place you go every kind of scene it, it, it will give you, you i mean you can take as many pictures as you want of anything at any time you can take it from any angle you can zoom you can do different like black and white or sepia filters whatever you want to do um i don't think you can do selfies though there's no selfie mode right not that i remember i don't think so okay which is probably for the best but once you get four or five memories from each kind of scene or level wherever you are it'll be like oh heads up you finished this page you got inspiration right is what it says so when you have inspiration you get you kind of fill that journal page with your pictures your audio your drawings your quotes from people that you met there 
And then Estelle will kind of like reminisce on kind of what this the story that these people in this garden or in this level, in this house, whatever, are telling and kind of like summarize this area. And then you also have like other ways to finish out the page with like curly cues and flowers and other drawings to kind of like make that journal page yours. So it would be interesting to look at someone else's journal uh, along the way. Jason, if you and I compare journals, they, they would be probably 60 to 70 percent the same things, but they would look and probably feel very differently. So it'd be cool to see someone else's. Yeah, the layout matters. Yeah, exactly. How much time you spend on it. Yeah. And I found myself at different times when playing it, sometimes spending 10, 20 minutes on an individual page yeah. and getting it exactly right. Same. And sometimes just being like, okay, click, click, click. Got it. I got this part done. Yeah. Right. It depends on kind of my experience with that place. Totally. Similar to real life and making a scrapbook, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We all went to Disneyland. Here's all the stuff from Disneyland. Okay. But then we did this really weird thing and I just need to like make a shrine to this, this roadside attraction we yep. went to or whatever it is. Yep. So as you go out into the world, you experience a bunch of cities. Yep. And you don't think of your, your village as strange, right? Estelle doesn't. Everything is normal to her. And yet, to the player, Estelle, uh, uh, the village is very strange. And it stands out. It's on the top of a mountain. The whole village is a memorial to some kind of sleeping sickness that happened 50 to 100 years ago. Yeah. And there's all of these uh, memorials to the doctor that saved everyone, to the people who were lost, and things like that. And every city you come to has its own kind of little story like that. There's uh, a book. Ben, you may remember me reading this, actually, on a backpacking trip probably 10 years ago, maybe longer, called Invisible Cities by Italo Calvino. Hmm. And basically, it's, I don't know, 60 to 100 short stories. Each one takes the place of about a paragraph. And each one is a different city. And there's some interesting, cool things that are happening. I picked one to read. This is called Cities and Memory. It's just a paragraph. I'm going to read it real quick, just as an example. Cool. Okay. When a man rides a long time through wild regions, he feels the desire for a city. Finally, he comes to Isidora, a city where the buildings have spiral staircases, encrusted with spiral seashells, where perfect telescopes and violins are made, where the foreigner hesitating between two women always encounters a third, where cockfights degenerate into bloody brawls among the betters. He was thinking of all these things when he desired a city. Isidora, therefore, is the city of his dreams, with one difference. The dreamed-of city contained him as a young man. He arrives at Isidora in his old age. In the square, there's a wall where the old men sit and watch the young go by. He is seated in a row with them. Desires are already memories. Oh, that's cool. And so it's like 60 of those things. Yeah. They're, they're all just kind of different, and this one was called Cities in Memory 2, and there's like five different ones that are called Cities in Memory, and they all engage with the concept of Cities in Memory in different ways. But it also, Ben, does that feel like the DLC for season? Like there could yeah. be a, a another city that you just missed out on? Oh, for sure. Because so pretty quickly you go to this place called the Tiang Valley, which you spend 90% of the game in the Tiang Valley, right? And you're yes. documenting the Tiang Valley before they close the dam or open the dam and flood this little valley. And so you're talking to people there and you're kind of writing their stories down in your journal. And we'll get more into that. But. As soon as I was like halfway through the Tang Valley, I don't know, hour, hour like four or five. And I was like, this is going to be I thought this was a short game. This is the first valley yeah. I've gone to. And I had this weird tension of like, I got to hurry up if I'm going to do. I'm guessing there's either three or I know how games work. There's either three or five valleys. Yep. Maybe eight valleys for all I know. And I'm like, this is taking me way too long to get through this valley because I can look at my map. It's not that big. There's like kind of five yep. main places. It does take a few minutes to bike around. But I was like. I got to hurry up. And I was like, you know what? I'm not pressed for time. Let's just it, 
spend a, a lot of time here. I'll go through all the characters. I'll take lots of pictures. And I like gave up that thing to like hurry up. And it's the only value you get. That's it. Is it? It's, it's almost the whole the only city you get. Yeah. You get Carl Village at the beginning and then kind of that's it. Yeah. Not a lot after that. You, you get some transition points yeah. along the way. Yeah. It takes a while to get to Ting Valley. And then there is an experience after Ting Valley as well. Yeah. We yeah, can yeah, talk about yeah. it a little bit there. in a moment. But it's I think that there's an issue with pacing in this game. And it's not the issue that I think most people would think of, which is like it's a very slow game. Sure. It's you know contemplative. Take your time. Think it out. It's. I either needed there to be four more mm-hmm. valleys or I needed them to make very clear, by the way, this is the game. Right. Because Ting Valley is the game. Like your job is to document Tang Valley. Yeah. Say that at the beginning. Yep. Right. Uh, make Ting Valley important. Yeah. Because it didn't matter. Right. It was just one of the many places I was going to go through. Right. And I spent time with it and I took my time. It's like, it's like an accident at the beginning. You're like, what is this place at the gates of the city? And you meet a, a cop. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we're going to close up and want to check it out. You're like, sure. Like, it very much seems like a random thing, which is really cool how they do that. Oh, totally. Because it's not. Obviously, it's the it's the thing. That's it. It's the whole game. But it seemed optional. That's how, like, happenstance it seemed. <laughs> I almost was like, oh, I guess I'll, I don't need to do that. Let's go to the next thing. Yep. Which is cool how they do that, I guess, in retrospect, because it is so important. And I think the change needed to happen with letting you know that you needed to document this, that this is it. Right. Or that, you know, hey, there are many places out there, but really, you just need to document one of them deeply. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And oh, hey, you happened across the Ting Valley. Right. That's the only one we made. But, you know, hey, look what you happened across. Yeah. Yeah. So many cool uh, kind of visual moments. Um, yeah. This game, we haven't even mentioned how beautiful this game is. It's gorgeous. Oh, man. It's really pretty. Unreal game. Engine's working double time. It's very Firewatchy in that sense. Yeah. It's beautiful. It reminds me of uh, a Wes Anderson movie in a lot of ways mm. in that it's like these perfectly cultivated visuals. Yeah. Where like there are these peaks, these kind of moments where it's like and then everything is like in order in the right way. Yeah. And you take a picture. Then later when you're trying to remember it, you're like, wait, how did we get to a place where there were like giant football field lights shining on the ocean? What were they doing exactly? I I don't know. That was cool, though. Even looking through the journal to be like, how did I walk through this tunnel or this archway? And then like these three really big landmarks that I eventually went on to were all perfectly lined up. And when I took the picture, I was like, oh, that's a cool little like that's a nice framing that I've done. And then three hours later, if I'd known I was taking that picture, I'd be like, these are the next three giant things I'm going to be doing. So it's yep. it's very well laid out, the landmarks and the geography of the Chang Valley. Yeah. And it's there's some ambiguity with this game about what's happening exactly. So I think the game is pretty clearly about climate change. Uh, ben, does that feel OK to you? Uh, we don't have to pin it down to one meaning. But this is a game about the world changing drastically and you not knowing what's coming next. And so we could kind of yes. pair it with maybe Umarangi Generation, a game that is explicitly about climate change. I almost don't want to pair with that just because that's the other game where you run around and take pictures. It's the main mechanic. Well, I, I kind of but... want to pair it with that to talk about some of my issues with season. Oh, OK. Yeah. As it's as I like reflect on it more and more. Yeah. Umurangi Generation is a much less polished game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Umurangi Generation team, bro, is yeah. very punk. Yeah. And Season is a game that is like Estelle as a character seems like, um, you know, she, she's a woman of color. She might be non-binary. It seems like it's making gestures at inclusivity without ever explicitly targeting fascists, uh, homophobes, transphobes, right? And saying the thing. Right. Umurangi Generation is great at saying the thing. Right. Yeah. At being really clear, the cops did this. Right. The UN did this. With season, the gray hands are a somewhat ambivalent force, right? 
uh, are they fascists destroying everything, or are they maybe like just Dad's fun elk lodge? Right. You know, they're just hanging out, and it's like, oh, who's to know? And it's like, I don't know. They seem to be flooding this valley. Yeah, that's not chill. Right. And it, there's lots of both sides in that I think you can find in this when you want to find it. But I didn't see initially. But the further I get away from it, the more I feel of everyone is getting moved out of this valley. But you know, hey, maybe things will be better on the other side. And I feel like the game sometimes thinks that things actually will be better like hey when we're all put into uh project housing in the big city yeah that might be all right that didn't seem like a positive when i when i played that part well, i wouldn't say positive but it didn't seem like a negative either it didn't seem like wow our entire way of life is being destroyed and we're being put into giant cinder block prisons it was like but you know what maybe there's some things to look forward to in the project housing that's true there was an optimistic tone about other people that were going there I, again i'm not like i don't want to go to like season is garbage and here's why right but i do want to say that like the points it wants to make, it doesn't want to make as forcefully as I think it could. And I just think it's nervous about saying some things. Um, and so it keeps climate change as a bit of a metaphor. Yeah. It, basically, that doesn't quite want to say it. Right. It, it wants to dip its toe in, um, appear inclusive, appear progressive, not necessarily regressive. It's just not a lot of anything. Right. It's pretty accepting of that gray hand you meet first off. Like, he's a lovable dope. Yeah. He's also a fascist that is completely committing genocide. Right. While you are there. Uh, not just genocide, but genocide of people who are already refugees. Right. This is like a post-war type situation, right? Yeah. 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 He's just going to flood the uh, the refugee village. What's up right? with the flooding? Do we get a reason but why? But he's also a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Uh, maybe I didn't dig deeply enough. Maybe there's a, a reason that balances it out. But uh, now I, I tried to find a lot of stuff and it seemed like... Um, it was basically pointing me at like, yeah, they're going to flood it because because they're evil. Um, there were uh, there was a material in there that did something to memories. Yes. Thank you. That's a big mechanic. There were actually two competing ones. Right. There's the whole idea of like that. Dr. Fumio. Yes. So, yeah. The, the statue that you talked about earlier that you're kind of your town was dedicated to was Dr. Fumio, who did a lot of work. He did his work in that town. People would come from far and wide to go see him. Because they had time misconception disorder and or memory excess. Okay, I think the main two like disorders, memory and yep. time disorders that people had that he would see. I think there was a third, something about sleeping. I don't remember what that was. Yeah. And then you actually see a bunch of people sleeping in that parking lot and they're just like sitting yep. there and they may have been sitting there for like thousands of years and they don't age and they just kind of like sleep. Yep. So it'd be interesting to find out what that was I, I, an allegory for or, or what that kind of meant because it didn't seem like. We got a lot into that. But uh, yeah, you had to wear your pendant because if you went near these pink crystals, <clears throat> you would go into you would have memory excess, I think. Um, but this kept you from doing that, kept, kept helped you be focused on the different shrines. That was kind of one of your your side quests. Or I guess it was one of the main missions. You had to go to these um, shrines and pray at them. Maybe. Yeah, I was kind of unclear as to why I was doing that, but I, I knew I needed to do it. Oh no! Back to the gray hands, because honestly, that's more important, I think, than the main plot of the. There's not a lot of plot. That's the thing. It's not that important. <laughs> but as far as like the things I have to do to get the story moving, is not nearly as interesting to me as the actual like the people you meet and the universe that these that was built here. But I'm in my notes of the gray hands. After you meet that first one, I think this is after you meet like a little. It feels very refugee camp because there's a bunch of like plastic tables and folding chairs set up and a projector that's like just like spewing propaganda. 
and be like, the Greyhounds will take care of you. Follow them and they will lead you to prosperity and they will take you out of this dirty place. And blah. it's just like, oh, this feels very much just like a um, not a U, like maybe like a U.N. thing or it's just like the U.S. is great and powerful. and We will help you. Here's some food. Yep. Yep. But also this group is like a brand new group that also feels like a cult and not like the government. And it kind of feels like an Elks Lodge, like based on the first person you made. He's like, yeah, it's we're all great hands. We help each other out. Yeah, They don't have weapons or armor. They're just kind of like these. Yeah. Dawdling it's people a, with, a, ta- with Rotary Club trucks. Yeah. Yeah. With with more explicit genocide. I don't know that the Rotary Club ever committed genocide. Let me be clear about that. Yeah. Um, Go for it. I found a, a one paragraph quote that I think sums up everything. So this is from. Uh, Melindy Hetfield's review in The Guardian. Can I say my thing real quick? Oh, please. My note after seeing that little um, kind of like um, propaganda thing, right when you, it's right, the first thing you see basically when you get into the Chang, Chang Valley, which was the gray hands seem bad. Uh, wonder if we'll ever learn about them or if they'll ever be definitively good or bad. And no, we don't learn anything more about them. And no, we don't learn if they're definitively good or bad, which I'm fine with. The, the, I mean, they are called the gray hands, right? Did you go to the dig site? Yeah. 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 And you kind of, you go and there's a little like unicorn stuffy or unicorn toy with those purple and yep. pink crystals they, sticking and out of it. And they seem worse based on that. But again, unclear. Because they're trying to hide information from the people. Right. Right. And are they trying to, are they actually even going to flood the valley? Or do they just want everyone else out so they can do their own excavations? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I just genuinely don't know. So here's the quote, and it actually connects back to this. Okay. Uh, so here's a quote I found that kind of sums up what we're saying, and maybe it's just the best review I could find on it. Uh, this is Melindy Hetfield's review on The Guardian, and uh, they end it with, Season's unwillingness to paint the world in anything but the broadest strokes, and penchant for flowery but meaningless language, may have been influenced by a troubled development history. Part of Season's development cycle was marked by allegations of workplace harassment and disorganized leadership, which became public in 2021. The game is enamored with ideas of community and culture, but in appropriating real culture and removing it from context, it robs itself of its own message. Yeah. That feels like a, just a great summation. Yeah. Which on uh, that reminds me of a game we've talked about before, which is Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West, where it's a, a yes. lot of taking from Native American cultures and zero actually like giving credit or like citing your sources. Right. <laughs> like saying like this is where these ideas, ideas come from. And instead being like these futuristic Characters have headdresses and wear paint on their faces when they go to war. But at, right. But but this is like a new idea because it's technology future. Yes. I'm like, uh, that's weird. We definitely didn't do any research on actual indigenous people. No, we just summed up every Native American stereotype we can into one. Yes. And just said that's what the future would be like. Yes. Oh, yeah. by the way, this is terrible. We watched. Um, oh, good. So I don't know if you remember a little movie called An American Tale. Yeah, we skipped that one because that's just the Holocaust. And we went you went right to Fifle Goes West West, because I right because I was like the desert. You get Tiger, the cool cat. Sure. You get the crazy cats who are trying to like run. I mean, this is like not an original story at all. It's just like you can see all the not just the seams, but you can see like, oh, here's Fiddler on the roof. Oh, like it's just like all these stories that are coming together. And I appreciate uh, like a classic Jewish tale, but this is not that this steals from a lot of them. But. One of the I totally forgot about this, but one of the characters that saves you at the beginning is a group of Native American mice called the I think they're called the Mouse Seekins. Okay, which is as offensive as it sounds. 
and yeah. it's and they they do the classic. I wonder who did this first, right? But it's the C3PO Ewok thing where it's like this cat is a god because he looks exactly like this rock formation. Yeah, and it's just like could not be offensive. Almost seems like not the right word for it. Could not be stupider, and like, yeah, it just seems lazy and insulting. Insulting, right? Or to to everyone, instant everyone's intelligence, right? One thing I don't like about offensive is it puts the onus on the person who heard it and who felt it. Right, but it's their emotions causing it. It's like no, you're being an asshole. Right, this just seems dumb and lazy writing um but yeah that's definitely something that did not stand out to me when i was five or whatever when i watched it but now i'm just like oh this is maybe why this isn't on being promoted by disney anymore and it's just like this little i wonder about that with like random movies that i think about from the 80s where i'm like maybe there's a reason why not everyone's showing their kids these or why we shouldn't be showing our kids these but i had to like pause it i was like oh this is interesting where do you think this came from kid and like we had a good good discussion about it olivia picked up on it very quickly to be like yeah that, this doesn't seem okay. Are those supposed to be Native American people? And I was like, yeah, yes, it is. So, I mean, we're talking about something that's happening literally this year. So this isn't like, oh, this is the thing that we used to do as a culture. This is happening all the time. But yes, it was done in a very blatant way where I was like, I don't definitely don't remember that when I was five years old. And it very much stood out in a movie today. Yeah, well, Ben, that was a different time mm-hmm. where yeah. somebody couldn't tweet about it, I guess, is the only difference there, because people definitely knew that that was not okay back then. Right. Uh, I was alive in, during that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tough. Uh, let me be real clear. To, you know, it was a different time. It's rarely preceding anything good or an important qualification for anything. It's just a different time because people wouldn't call it out publicly, right? Yeah. It's always a different time. That's how time works. Um, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> were people being assholes? Yeah. Can we call that out? Right, right, Can we right. talk about it? Yeah. Can we do better? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... What did it feel like to play this game? It felt it felt really good. It felt really meditative and nice. Um, at its height, it felt like it was saying something important. But I I think the general thing that we're t- coming away with is that I'm not sure that it was. Yeah, always. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it 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 did a really good job of feeling like it was saying something important without necessarily actually doing that work. Yep. All right. That's a lot of gameplay. Let's do a couple things towards the end. Some like branching off choices to see what we did. And then we'll get into what's the drink. What's the song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at the very end, uh, you kind of meet the monk who's kind of running the like giant shrine. Mm-hmm. And basically you're like, can I give up my pendant to protect everyone? And he's like, oh, I've never seen that. We can try to do that ritual and we can kind of see if we can do that. Are you sure you want to give up your pendant? And then he like goes back to you and you're like, Yes, I want to do that. Or no, I, I want to make sure because my mission is to my, that my mom gave me is I'm supposed to carry these memories for future seasons. So I think that's that's the one I picked was like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to protect these people. Oh, really? Yeah, because that was my mission, right? Yeah. So what happens at the end of yours? They go off with the gray hands and there is kind of like so I don't there's not a lot of difference, like you said, right? I think it's more on right. what's the choice you made? You have to think of your own consequences for that. And the consequences of mine is that they wouldn't remember their homes. They wouldn't remember this past season, but they would go on to their new, the city, right? They'd gone to their, their two bedroom apartments in the city, sky rises kind of thing. But I'm still, it was my goal to tell their story. And I felt like if I had sacrificed that for everyone else to, then no one would have told their story, but maybe they would have. Right. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was, I don't know if there's a right thing to do, but. I just pulled up so I can see, and it's largely the difference of a voiceover on one line. Like, it's the same cinematic that plays, mm-hmm. uh, which okay. is also really interesting. Like, I love it when 
the same thing plays twice and your interpretation is totally different. Right. 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 So the two options are um, either destroy the pendant to try and save everyone's memories or keep the pendant to try and save your own memories. Right. And I destroyed the pendant. Cool. Um, and it was a tough decision because it's like, this is my whole purpose. Right. My mom gave up memories of her husband for this. If you're me. <laughs> but what's the point of memories without those who remember? Yep. And that was my my takeaway was I'm willing to make the sacrifice and be with them so that this community can continue, so that these people can continue, even if that's not guaranteed. Right. At the very end, you end up on a boat with a guy, and we can we're not going to spoil exactly why you're there. It doesn't really matter. It's it's a cool ending. From what I can tell, the visuals are exactly the same, which is you're writing about this, you're thinking about this. The season changes, which is shown through more like color than anything else. So it's it's you know, yeah, like the sea lights up, and it don't yeah, kind of impressionistic. Yeah, it kind of feels and it's animated like it's like the blast wave of an explosion yes. far away right you kind of like this and it, this wave of air and in water i guess kind of like goes through you and, and the other person on the boat and i think it's unclear if that even happens right or if that's almost an impressionistic yeah trying to say what happened trying to describe it yeah but uh you and the the dude next to you uh you kind of look over at him and it says something uh about like you know my memories are intact but what about everyone else's and then it just lets you kind of ruminate in that as you look at the uh, the diary, does that sound right, Ben? So the way it happened in mine is that he looks over at you and he's like, who the hell's on my boat? Why am I driving right. this boat? And you hand him a picture that you just took together. Yep. And it's a picture of you two together smiling that you'd just taken like yep. a few hours before on the shore. Yep. And he's like, OK, I can trust this person, basically. So that is identical to the ending that I got. OK. Except for the difference that you say. You know, I've got my memories intact. What about everyone else? And you show them the picture and he's like, oh, I can trust you. Yeah. In mine, again, exact same actions from what I can tell. Watching them back to back right now. Oh, cool. Let me see. The, the actual line is uh, I became aware of a massive, massive absence. I realized if it wasn't for this journal, these pages are a bridge between us and the world that just disappeared. And so she picks up the journal and sees the picture of the two of them together and shows it like, oh, hey, I think we're OK. Right. Because they neither of them remember that. Right. 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 And it's, again, the exact same visuals. But different meaning. One, she's trying to say, like, hey, you're cool with me. And yours, the journal is way more important, though. Yes. Right. She's reading it for the first time and finding out about her own memories. It's like the tattoos and memento. Right. And this is your yep. carry on Moss being like, I'm your friend, but you don't know. Yep. But <laughs> it's unclear if burning the pendant, destroying the pendant actually worked at all. Gotcha. Which that's fine. That kind of goes along with everything else. The gray hands and stuff of just like what the, the choices are much more for the player than they are for the narrative. Yep. Which is cool, especially for an indie game. I can respect that. I can get behind that. Uh, the other question I was going to ask was after you do after you sacrifice or don't sacrifice at the shrine, you and your fellow Tiang Valley people who you've been telling the stories of get on uh, the gray hands like, hey, I'll pick you up and give you right out of the valley in a big truck. Yeah. And you, I think you and the monk go in his uh, old camper van out of the valley. Yeah. I love the monk. He's great. Monk's a great character. Yeah. Uh, but. The Greyhands, like, you know, he's doing the government business and he's like, these people, they're going to a new land that's kind of like a very, like, metropolis, civilized, like, city, and they need passports for this new season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Will you help them? Will you take pictures for them? Will you, you have a camera. My camera's broken, I think, right? Yeah. He's like, can we use your camera for photos for their passports? What'd you say? I was like, hell no, dude. I don't know Me you. Too. I am Me out too. of there. Like, I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to screw them over. And I, I think I knew at that point in the game, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get them like, oh, they're leaving in the streets now because they didn't have passports and I could have saved their lives. Right. I think it's much more right. just about like what you do as a character or what you do as a player. Also, so. if, 
if they had asked me exactly can we can you please help us right that's a good point you're you're a nazi yeah, exactly. you're a nazi committing genocide yeah. i am not giving you my camera with, i don't so i can ask show me your papers can you help me with that process yeah. nope guess they don't have papers sorry right exactly that's, sounds like a you problem yeah. bud. 100 percent. oops my camera broke too oh well <laughs> anyway yeah yeah uh, i'm not sure if that helped anyone but yeah. i definitely did not want to help him dude. out, dude yeah and I, I, I thought the end was beautiful where you after the scene together on the boat, it, that kind of fades away and you go to that higher level, the meta story of the person reading this story, right? Yeah. Reading this person's journal in the library thousands of years in the future or whatever it might be. Uh, and I guess spoiler, more spoilers here for the and we kind of spoiled the whole game already. But you put on your headset and it's Estelle's dad talking. It's a recording that he made for Estelle was my reading of this. Yep. And it's a, a, just a very lovely sentiment of like ground yourself like go outside sit in the grass and as you go outside you can you're, you see this like very futuristic looking city right it almost looks like uh uh like bespin right cloud city where it's just like futuristic it looks like futurama almost where it's like every all these metal buildings and shiny and there's probably like hover cars and stuff like that oh I, i've just got the uh the script of it up oh okay so i can read you exactly what it says once you set the scene. So, yeah. And then you, as you have these big headphones out, you walk out of the library to this futuristic city. You find a patch of grass. You sit down. You close your eyes. And then this is the voiceover that you hear. By the way, it's really interesting that you said you for this. The, the, the yeah, player this the character in your mind. Heard. Yeah, that's true. That you don't play as Estelle. You play as the person reading Estelle's notebook. Yeah. Which is interesting because you control Estelle as the character the entire time. You don't control this character at all. No, never. Wow. But this is the frame narrative, so it's you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, this character puts on the headphones and hears. How to leave home for my daughter. Find a sacred square of earth. Lay down so you have the dirt at your back. Close your eyes. Close everything. Do you see for yourself? You see for the dead, for the unborn. Do you listen for yourself? You listen for the dead, for the unborn. Your ancestors are in that dirt. All the living and all the dead are holding you up. Now, stand they're still there aren't they it's time to move to entangle yourself everywhere with everyone so the next time you lay down in the dirt you will have so much more to tell them god that's beautiful um, it's so well done it's a really good ending and also now like the more i play it, the more i'm like but does it mean anything <laughs> I know, like, it right? Does. Yeah, there's the context of the creation of the game, and that sucks. But in itself, as much as you can, it's it's take it for its for what yeah. it is. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Yep. And then just the idea that I came back to a few times that all we are. I love this idea in general outside of this game that that all we are are stories for history books in the future. Yeah. But we're also ideas from the past, right? From our parents, yep. thirty years, forty or whatever, however old we are, right? few years before that where our ideas from Clyde and Glee in the late seventies are like, it'd be cool to have kids someday. And we're cool ideas of our great, great grandparents being like, Oh, let's try to get to America. And we're cool. Or we're just like these like nebulous concepts for people a thousand years ago to be like, what will the future be like? And we're like, probably not even notations 
a hundred years from now, right? Well, like, yeah. hopefully our kids have kids. That, I'm uh, hopefully who, good or bad. I don't know if that's. I don't want to assign yeah um, a value to having kids or not, but like the idea of that in itself, just the fact that I said hopefully, right, is that like I want to be remembered, even if it's just through like, oh yeah, like my this kindergartner doing a family tree, and like here's right. great 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 uncle Ben or whatever, and like who knows what he was like, but he's here, and so I, I love the idea of like breaking from our own point of view, breaking from our time, and kind of viewing our lives and our our worldviews from that completely separate not that we fully can but completely separate kind of like what does this time look like from 99.9 percent of hum- just humanity right not even all of history but just like humanity like what are they going to remember not even about me but about like 2023 like what's my part in this but also like what does this time mean i don't know they said it better than i am saying it right now but i like the idea of kind of like changing that point of view to be like what is i mean it's also a, a hamilton type like what's your story? How do you tell your story type of thing? And yeah, legacy is planting seeds in a garden. You never live to see type of thing, which obviously a beautiful sentiment as well. But yeah. Well, and I, I think there's this kind of fantasy with the, uh, the seasons changing of the central idea of seasons changing yeah, and of there being no relationship between the present and the past, right. Yeah. Or, or a, a really sharp severing under really, undoes the basic message that is said by the father in that last thing of feel all your ancestors at your back, right? Who I know nothing about, who have no relationship to me, who lived in a completely different epoch that is magically separated from my own. And it's like, that's not how seasons of time work. Right. We do have our ancestors are back. We do feel the consequences of their actions. And that is incredibly important when it has to do with climate change. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of, there's a kind of wish fulfillment of like, yeah. And then everything changes and you know, then it's there's just this new world. Jubilee, right. We all started over. Yeah. What will this new world be like for yeah. them? Will they blame us for their problems? Who can know? We can all, we're all colorblind again, right? We're all the same. Yeah. Nothing matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> all right. What's the drink? Let's do it. This game's pretty fun. When I was old, I just had to question What's the beer, what's the song, I can't always tell I just want to know, what game is West E12? I went with, not purely name only, but primarily name only I went with a drink called the Bicycle Ride So the Bicicleta is one that is tequila based not a huge fan of, of tequila, as I, I found out again last night, uh, which I also traced back to my first time having tequila in which I had a lot of tequila. And I think and that's which is lots of people's stories about tequila. But yeah, anyway, the bicycle ride. And this isn't like you can go to a, a bar and order a bicycle ride like it's a, um, like this one bar in New York has this this cocktail, but it's a rum based drink, elderflower liqueur, dry vermouth celery bitters and grapefruit oil a lot of bitter stuff in there but there's no gin so i love a good gin it almost feels like it's a rum based drink trying to be a gin based drink with like the elderflower grapefruit celery and vermouth um so i like the idea that it's like hey let's let's try to be a like a fancy martini with rum instead but yeah that sounds like a, a fun time bicycle ride obviously you're riding a bike for the majority of this game and i just love the idea that this this 
is a very bitter drink based on a sweet rum, a, a sweet base. Um, this is a very bittersweet game when you're thinking about the past and the future and kind of what memories you want to leave, what things you want to leave for future generations, how you want to be remembered, that type of thing. Nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I chose uh, the Vesper Martini. Now, Vespers is uh, the time of day leading into evening. It's basically sunset. From what I understand, that's the, the prayer time. And so I like this idea of seasons changing, day changing. Uh, of course, the Vesper Martini is a reference to a Bond woman whose name is Vesper. That's right. And James Bond makes a martini named after her. And it is three shots of gin, or three parts gin, one part vodka, half a part of uh, Lilit Blanc, which is a white wine of some kind. Do not know. I, ju- I just do not know. And I, I was thinking of the ways that um, we only understand something after it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only understand the time period looking back on it and talking about it and being thoughtful. And, th- and that idea of Vespers and of things changing, looking back at the day, uh, being done with a, with a nice Vesper martini. I like it. And then my song, I, I was going to look up if I'd chosen this before, but again, my, uh, my internet is gone. So uh, you can let me know. If I did. Yeah. Uh, St. Robinson uh, and his Cadillac Dream by the Counting Crows. We've definitely chosen songs off of This Desert Life before. Yes. But I don't think we've chosen that one. And the comet is coming Me and the girl who could make it all clean Out there in the shadow of the modern machine Walk St. Robinson Good road trip song. Uh, it starts with staring out his window as the world rushes by. Arthur Robinson closes the glass and replies. Uh, so it just, it starts with middle thought, right? So he replies, I dream of ballerinas and I don't know why, but I see Cadillac sailing. What is he replying to? What was the question, right? Right. What do you dream about? Where are they? What is the situation? Who is Arthur Robinson? Why is he a saint? All of these questions, but it's, it's road trippy. It's this connection to just being thrown into the middle of something that has a longer history and the breaking of that history. Yeah, that's why I chose that song. Nice. I'm torn between two kind of classic. Natalie Imbruglia. Class rock. Whoa, what? Oh, wow. Yeah. That, and that's you. the song. Natalie Imbruglia. There we go. Uh, no, I, I went with. Well, so my runner up. Can I do two? Please. Is Free Fallen. Yes. Uh, by um, Tom Petty. Wow. Took me a second. Sorry. Sorry, Corey. Doesn't count. You didn't say it. That is a that is honorable <laughs> mention. That is not the real song. Not the real song. I need to make clear to everyone. This is the song that did not get chosen. Which we might have done this before for a month. Well, it's fine because this isn't chosen for this one. So it's fine. But it goes through, you know, starts with she's a good girl, loves her mama, which is like, OK, that's the beginning of this game. But also does like loves Jesus in America, too, where I was like, all right, I guess you could apply that to like the mythologies within the culture and all that. But I'm just like, OK, sure. You know what I went with instead? Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Ugh. Right? Just a classic Bay Area song. Journey, don't stop believing. Taking a journey. Uh, she took the midnight train going anywhere. Yeah. And it gets, there's more, right? Obviously, don't stop believing. Holding on to the feeling. Streetlights, people. Strangers waiting. This is the end of the game as they're waiting for the uh, the gray hand. Yeah. Up and down the boulevard, the shadows searching in the night as they're searching for their new homes. As they're all forced to leave the, the Ting Valley. Streetlights, people living just to find emotion. All of them had lost something and they're kind of searching for that joy again, hiding somewhere in the night. So I thought that was much more applicable than Free Fallen, but Free Fallen also, yep. I feel like the vibe, honestly, for both of those songs, very much the vibe of different parts of this game. Yeah. 
and very kind of like you said, they, they're both great road trip songs. They kind of have that like churning yes. effect to both of them. They're both anthems, which is a lot of this game as well. Let's just do like one or two recommendations each. I, um, yeah, I will say Olivia, the past, my nine year old has gotten super into PS5 games the last like two weeks. Like they're really into Spider-Man Miles Morales. Ooh, loving that. Yeah. And yeah, for some reason, like I feel like I guess, you know, what's the reason? What ended two weeks ago? What could it be? Middle of June. Who could know why they have more more free time now? Something from eight to three ended and they've been really into video games the past few weeks. Oh, weird. Weird. But yeah, I'll try. Maybe I'll have a, a, a better report on our next episode as far as like these are the games that they've really fallen in love with. But yeah, I'm trying to get them into Ratchet and Clank. Uh, it's still oh a God. little it's overwhelming so visually. It's a lot. So it's a they lot. Watch me play the first hour or so. And they're like, this is cool. Have you finished it? No, I'm, I just started it last week. It really ramps up. Cool. I just got to like the new world, Rivet's world. So I did like the tutorial, basically. The big thing I'd say for uh, for them is it might seem complex. You don't have to do any of these things. You're going to get so many different weapons. Yeah. OK, it's already overwhelming. You have to pick what goes on. You're going to have to take things off of your weapon wheel and put new things on. Meaning you can do whatever you want. Yeah, okay. it's totally there. There is a weapon that is a sprinkler and it's an oscillating sprinkler and you shoot it out and it lands on the ground and oscillates around. And if it hits someone, they turn into flowers. They turn into a shrubbery. Amazing. You never have to use that gun. That's cool. But it's really fun. What do you like? Right. And so it's all about just getting a feel for what you like. Uh, and then finally, the last thing I say you this yesterday, but uh, I got an email from Apple. Saying there was a charge to my account. I was like, what is this? Yes. $4.99? What are we doing? I opened it up and it it was assigned to Hannah Jane Helms at gmail.com. I was like, oh yeah, we share an Apple account. Uh, or we have like the joint family thing or whatever. And it what, what's the game called? I can't remember. Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Jason and Megan's all-time favorite game ever. It's so good. Uh, and Hannah didn't get it from YouTube. I mean, obviously it's a big game, but like. The reason I asked her, I just sent her a text or an image of that or of the receipt. And I was like, what's happening? Did you do this on purpose? Uh, because I think the last game she played that she plays every night is Cats Cooking. I think it's what it's called, which sounds as adorable and inane as the name uh, or as it is. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I just want to get in touch with the kids. Yeah, because she has a lot. She sees children. She has, her patients are all kids. And so apparently it's back with the kids. Stardew Valley. God, I hope you fall into Stardew. I hope you fall into Stardew and we could do, do a whole episode on it. Man. Maybe just me, Hannah, and Megan could do an episode on it. Yeah. I am in. That game rocks. And its development history is so cool. Really? Yeah. It's a really good story. It was literally developed by one person. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, and then Hannah was also, we were talking about her coming. She, they've been on the pod before, right? What did they come on the pod for? Years ago. But Who could know? She was talking about how video games are used in kind of mental health clinic capacities and how they can kind of help with executive function and and all sorts of things that she's just kind of starting to do research on because she's doing she's living in that world with her job so yeah um she's researching it more and more um how it's helped with like car crash victims and it's administered in er's and there's like lots of studies coming out for like a ptsd response and recovery that kind of stuff but so she's diving into that and she would love to come on the pod i'd love to have like a side quest about that that'd be cool That'd be awesome. But I think that's Stardew Valley is her first like venture into that from a 
from a personal point of view. So other than just watching me play. Well, well then I'll continue that on with uh, my wife's recommendation, yeah. which is Persona 5 Royal. Um, she's spent, I believe, 120 hours oh. uh, in that game in the last month and a half or whenever she got it. I got it for, for Mother's Day, so we can clock it from that. Nice. But it's, um, it's a great game. This is one of the games that really got me back into video games and into JRPGs. Uh, and yeah, then that's I right. kind of fell deep down that hole. And then uh, she has a good friend who was talking to her and said, you know, I think that I might want my own Switch because I've been playing on the Family Switch a little bit and I kind of like it a lot. And uh, actually, this connects back to the other thing. This is our friend who had brain surgery and is working on some reflex stuff and getting hand-eye coordination back. Wow, yeah. And she was like, you know, I think a Switch actually might help. So uh, we are plotting and planning with her husband to surprise her with a Switch Lite. Nice. So I'm excited to have someone new enter it. Yeah. For my own recommendations, um, I have gotten back into the books of Jack Vance, who is probably the first science fiction author I ever read. I read back in middle school when uh, Grandma Nature bought me a four-book collection from him called Planet of Adventure. I still remember uh, Mrs. Losey not letting it count for a book report because it was science fiction. It wasn't real books. Wow. Yep. Yep. Tough. Uh, My cat's about to throw up. He's making good throw-up noises. Cute. So um, I I started reading his... uh, Dying Planet series, uh, which is all about Earth in like 200,000 years. And there are people walking around, they're all like sorcerers and stuff, but they're not actually sorcerers. They just found old Earth technology that they don't understand. Which, again, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But imagine if Horizon Zero Dawn, instead of appropriating uh, Native American culture, they were just all dressed up like like LARPing. Like D and D fans, awesome. Because um, they're in full-on wizard robes, but with like iPods. It's a very funny book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And when you realize what they're actually using, and sometimes it's it's never said, right? There there are things that are magic words right. in there, and it's like, well, clearly they have a Siri that is listening, right? There's something there, but that part is never said. And so the this this guy has a magic wand that can shoot a blue compote, which I don't know what that is, like like jelly or something. Sure. And and he can shoot it across the room. And so he, the guy who has it is just an idiot. Amazing. But he keeps threatening everybody else. He's like, well, you better watch out. I'm a really powerful wizard. And he'll just shoot the blue compound. They'll be like, oh, geez. Gross. We got to get away from that guy. He can shoot stuff across the room. It's great. Nice. It's really good. Sweet. What are we playing next month? Uh, we are playing Corey's pick, Don't Starve. I won't. Which came out 10 freaking years ago, and I gave her a hard time about it. Yep. Because all we've done the past like three years is play new games. And she's like, wait, we can't play a 10 year old game on the podcast that plays 30 and 40 year old games. Fair point. So fair point. We'll be playing the 10 year old game. Don't starve. There's a bunch of different like there's a co-op version. There's a console. There's like I don't know if there's like a tournament DLCs and spinoffs and super Street Fighter version. Turbo. Yes. Alpha. Alpha Championship 2. Alpha Turbo. Sure. So get whatever version. I think we're going classic Don't Starve, but we might spin off from there if there's other DLC. But uh, We're going to play vanilla for the pod. Corey is going to play every DLC she can get her hands on. Yeah. But just be careful when you're buying it. Don't buy just like the DLC because there's lots of versions of this game and add-ons and stuff. But I think you, I think I got the classic one for like five bucks. So it's on Steam. It's on Mac. It's on PC. Uh, and it's on a bunch of consoles. So yeah. Yep. Available at, uh, wherever. Fine games are bought and sold or stolen so yeah i think that's all we got any any last notes oh i, I just want to say it reminds me a lot of witchwood yeah it's like survival witchwood if you liked witchwood you, you'll probably like yeah you'll probably like don't starve um i would i would say i like 
don't start better than Witchwood, just based on um, interactions and, and the controls. Mm-hmm. But Witchwood, from what I can tell, I, I like the story and art. Uh, so, oh, that's so yeah, cool. You know, mixed mixed uh, opinions there, but I, I do really like the controls of Don't Starve. It's, it's a tighter game. It's a, yeah. Speaking of Witchwood, thank you so much to our podcast producer, David Botluck, who will be coming on the pod soon some point i think he's going to pick a game for us to play this fall looking forward to that if you want to also support us just like david you can check out our patreon patreon.com slash m-o-l-m-m month which stands for men of low moral fiber i don't know how you get this far and not know that but that's possible you know it's true we never said it once i I could i see myself doing that we probably haven't said in years i know if you have any questions comments or concerns or just want to tell us how great the new studio sounds through this podcast, through this microphone, or how terrible it sounds because my AC is blasting right above me, you can email us at mulfpod at gmail.com, M-O-L-M-M-P-O-D, like the band, at gmail.com, like the big company, and their website. Thank you again for listening and downloading. Uh, tell a friend or two about this podcast if you liked it, or if you didn't, tell it to them because you're not going to listen anymore. So we kind of kind of like pay it forward like that to maintain our listener base. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I'm a mighty pirate. And if anything in here escapes from the page into the world, let it be one sentence. Just a few words you heard from a traveler on a bicycle. As she turned to you and said, it's not too late. <laughs>